0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt.
1: Hi, everyone. Hi, Shamanism Now. I'm Langston Khan, a senior teacher of the cycle teachings, and your host again for this week's episode, which is part two of our series on the cycle of transformation. So this week we're gonna be talking about dance of the shadow self, the year two retreat. Um, And we have two students of the cycle teachings with us today who have graciously volunteered to share a little bit about their experience moving through year two of the cycle teachings and the deep shadow work and birth of their inner warrior that that work requires. So we'll start with some prayers just take a moment to call out to your ancestors and my ancestors, those good and true and beautiful ones, those luminous ones who hold the blessings and the medicine of our line and want only the best for us, want us to have joy in our life, want us to bring all of the medicine that they dreamed us into existence to bring to the people. We call out to the non-human ancestors who dreamed our ancestors into existence, those Plants and animals and sacred elements and sacred directions and the spirits of the land help us to surrender to our own true nature. We give gratitude to the earth and the beauty and wonder and majesty of its dreaming. And we take a moment to feel that gratitude in our heart and send it down deep to the center of the earth. And we move through all the layers of the earth until we reach into that place where things that draw their power from darkness live. That deep darkness of restoration and and nourishment and replenishment and repair and soothing. And from that place of stillness and solitude and silence, we draw up the wisdom of manifestation in all of its diversity in all of its harmony and balance. And we bring that energy of replenishment into our body. And we also feel suffusing us a sense of belonging, belonging to our ancestors, to this time we chose to come here, to our human family. And we draw up a deep sense of responsibility for what we have come here to do. So that we can do it in a way that allows the ones who are coming to have all of the resources they need to do what they're coming here to do. And in doing so, we reweave the very fabric of the universe. Let the earth remind us again and again how to step into true spiritual adulthood. So we can stop allowing children to be born without elders. And we can live lives where we feel how much our lives matter. Lives of legend. In which we write new stories for the people. And holding that vision in our hearts, we call up to the highest power of the universe and we draw down those energies from above of protection and blessing and generosity and purification. And as we feel this energy moving into us and down through us back into the earth, we feel these legendary lovers mixing within us the heavens and the earth, the sky. And the earth letting us remember that each moment is an opportunity for us to move as an expression of this legendary love. And as these energies mix and merge in our heart, we allow them through that diamond at the center of our heart that holds all of the self that existed before any expression and all the self that will always exist, that can never be harmed. We let this beautiful energy refract and reflect through the prism of our heart, shining our heart's unique radiance out. We just take a moment to feel that sense of our unique radiance shining out into the world. And we all have all that we need to share our love with the world in the form of the unique gifts of our soul's purpose. And as we move our gifts into the world, we be in right relationship with our inner crazy woman and our inner warrior, as we learn to come into a relationship of deep reliability with our emotions so we can trust our authentic emotional response and respond fully to whatever the moment is calling from us. Help us to honor the vast flow of all of our emotions and learn to trust our hearts again so we can center ourselves there as we move our gifts into the world. So... Year two, Dance of the Shadow Self, is really all about recognizing that as soon as we begin to move into our authenticity in year one, we start to have a lot of fear come up, or at least most people do, about all of the aspects of us that are kind of stuck in the shadow because we put them there. And uh, I think it's maybe useful to define shadow a little bit because there's a lot of definitions. It's almost become like a buzzword right now. Um, but so in short, when I talk about shadow, what I'm talking about is a sort of archetypal, archetypal landscape that exists within ourselves and also within the collective unconscious in Jungian terminology, that is a place where we lock away parts of ourselves that we have judged or felt ashamed of or that someone else in our life told us was unacceptable or too much. And so we put that part of ourselves away in our unconscious because our mind thinks if I embody this part of me, I am going to die. And so the mind just shoves it away, throws away the key, you know, doesn't give it a trial or anything. It's just like locked in the dungeon. And then that part of us, understandably, is a little resentful. And the only way that part of us or those parts of us can express themselves in our life, because they're still held in our body, they're still watching our life from the sidelines, the only way they can express themselves is through patterns of self-sabotage or intense fear or intense attraction. And so we might talk a little bit more about those aspects of the shadow later, but I just want to get that definition out that, so these are perfectly beautiful, authentic parts of ourselves that have been locked away. And as a result, like any child that gets locked in a dungeon and, and kept there, they become a little bit monstrous and twisted. And so then what happens is, in this process, we're in part asked to rescue these parts of ourselves and transform them into true allies so we can bring them fully into our lives. And so in the work of year one, we're forced to really learn how to deeply and effectively um, transform and start working with our life as a teacher. But we get to the point where we reach these selves that have been locked away so we can no longer access them through our mind or even through our clearing skills or our emotional skills. What we need to do is learn how to truly rescue and free these energies so they can become the allies they are meant to be, and then we can integrate them. And so in doing this, we see how shadow energies bind our hearts. So we begin to free our hearts of those bindings so we can awaken the courage of truly feeling our life in a deep way. We we allow our life to begin to be real in our emotional landscape, and we begin to learn, as I was saying in the prayers, to trust our authentic emotional response. So when we have an expression of anger, we know that's authentic anger that is showing us something about what we need to do to repair or restore our boundaries and not just a projection based on an experience we had in the past. We begin to trust our deep grief and our sadness and be able to enter fully into them And we also begin to trust our passion and our joy. And we begin to rescue our sexuality and our creativity and our sense of humor. There's just this rich emotional flow that starts to come online as we free all the energy that's bound up in the shadow. And this is what allows us to have the courage to start becoming emotional adults. So I'd like to introduce um, Dre we have here and Firelight who are two students who just went through year two of the teachings. And so just to go backwards a little bit, I'd like to start by asking you to, what led you to the teachings in the first place? What made you decide to just go to masks before you even knew about Shadow Self necessarily?
0: Hi, everyone. This is Trey. I'm very happy to be here. Um, So for me, uh, I remember hearing why shamanism now for the first time and feeling for the first time that I was hearing uh, experiences that I had and things that I believed in put into a language that I could understand for the first time in my life. And I said, wow, what, what is this? And the more that I listened To Christina talk about shamanic practices and the way that those can be used in our own personal healing and to transform our lives, the more I felt a sense of urgency really to begin this work, that there wasn't any time to waste, that I, you know, I'm I'm going to be 45 years old, and I said, you know what? It's time to do this now. It's, it is time to um, to bring a new set of skills into my life that will serve me better to do what I want to do and to be the person that I want to be. So that's how it all started.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Firelight. <clears throat> hey,
2: everybody. This is Firelight. Um, for me, I, uh, it really started in earnest uh about well in 2010 um i had i had struggled with depression for about 10 years and um had been on psychopharmaceuticals during that time to manage the symptoms and uh it was a, <clears throat> a moving back to my hometown in 2010 that really allowed me to reinvent myself and figure out what kind of an adult i was going to be and uh it was in that moment I I kind of chose to take responsibility over my own soul, I guess as Christina would say, and I made that agreement with myself that I would I would start learning the tools that I needed to heal what I knew was kind of broken beneath the masking of the medicine. And um it really one thing led to another and um I found myself in Christina's energy body mastery or I think at the time it was called actual energy clearing class up in Seattle. And, uh, I just immediately, um, took to the work. It was really powerful. And, and just in a two day time frame, it, it led to, um, a, a real deep, a much deeper sense of healing than I had experienced elsewhere. So I decided to pursue the teachings.
1: Excellent. And I'm curious if, um, maybe you could start Firelight. If you could just share a little bit about where you were at the end of year one, sort of like what you were noticing transforming in your life, what you were noticing still felt a little stuck as you were going into year two. Sure. You, know, you had to. Well, it was, um,
2: <clears throat> year one was um, a lot of big change. It was uh, moving to Spain and, and living on a farm for a while and. All the adjustment that comes with being in a new place in a foreign culture, um, which really helped me let a lot of parts of myself die that needed to die through that that birth and death process that happens in year one. And, uh, you know, I, I came back to uh, Seattle where I live, and after that experience, and I felt... Um, I felt like a new person stepping into a new set of circumstances, and uh, that's—I think—that's when a lot of my emotional issues around fear and uh, shame really started to come to the forefront because the other inauthentic life expressions were kind of gone to distract me.
1: Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <clears throat> what about you, Dre?
0: so I, I agree with firelight completely. it It was a remarkable year for transformation, and also really remarkable in how um, my life worked to push me <laughs> forward. Um, in at times when when I was first doing some of the practices that we learn in the cycle teaching and and maybe, dragging my feet a little bit or being a little skeptical. And then my life would come right up and and give me a push and say, you're going to do this. Um, and for me, the, by the end of the year of year one, what happened for me was really, um, kind of getting my heart cracked open, I would say, um, I had and didn't even realize coming into this I how many boundaries I had set up around my heart and around uh, emotions and feeling emotions or not feeling them. And this work requires you to examine that and to face it. And so I, I got a big dose of... Um, of emotion and learning how to ride those waves and learning how to work within the cosmology and with the archetypal teachers that we work with to begin navigating that well and in a healthy way and in a way that allowed me to understand, I I think probably for the first time in my life, how to use and understand emotions appropriately um, and to understand them for the kind of indicators and signposts that they are for other things that are going on within us, and then how to respond rather than just being reactive. So it, it really brought another level of insight into an emotional
1: landscape that was desperately needed. Thank you. And um, I'm curious, Could you spoke about feeling a little skeptical about some of the practices and then your life, giving you these big reflections about what they were <laughs> opportunities to use them. And I was curious if you could just share maybe an example of one of those moments of something that felt, you felt really skeptical about at first.
0: So many moments. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm skeptical by nature, but, but to me, I think it's a good thing because I'm always testing this. I'm testing everything that we're taught all the time. Um, you know, so one of the the biggest game changers for me was bringing in a dedicated daily practice. You know, the, the daily altar practice that we do, the work that we do with our spirit allies and the teaching archetypes within the cosmology. Um, and I said, okay, well, this is the thing that, that we're supposed to work on and and. I don't know what that's going to look like, you know, and I was, I was skeptical that if that was going to actually um, benefit me or, or change me in any way. And, but I, I went all in. I said, if I'm, if I'm going to do the cycle teachings, I'm going all in. Um, and I did it. I, you know, I, I continue to do these daily practices and it is remarkable. Um, you know, you have days where, let's be honest, you know, some of the daily work that we do, it's not sexy. It's kind of boring (laughs) sometimes, but then through the sustained practice, you, you realize the depth of the relationships that you're cultivating, the depth of the insights that you begin to gain by doing work consistently every day. And so, I began to notice the shift in my relationship with my ancestors, for example, the shift and the the deepening of my relationship with my helping spirits or spirit allies, as I call them. Um, And those changes have been profound. And those are things that I would never have anticipated at the beginning to feel
1: so deeply. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I love most about the teachings is that it's not a place where you're just asked to like, just start believing this and trust. You know, it's you're really invited to be a scientist and a skeptic as as um, you do so beautifully, Dre. And I think that it's in part because the founder of the teachings, Christina Pratt, um, is, you know, a, has such a scientist's mind herself and is so... Is, is never going to tell you, oh, just do what feels right. It's always this, if she's sharing a practice with you, it's because she has tested it and tested it until she could break it again and again. And I think we're all expected to hold that same ethos for ourselves. I think it's really beautiful in the teachings that, the, that they hold up to that, that rigorous examination and feeling into and trying them out and taking action and failing and trying again and and that—that's where that deep relationship you're talking about, that intimacy arises out of, and it. it is a really beautiful, unique thing. I think.
0: Absolutely, and and it is something that I have really, truly appreciated in my time in in the teachings and working with Christina and and with the other teachers. You, for example, um, that. The skepticism and the questions and the testing are always welcome. I have always felt completely comfortable and at home bringing these questions into our lessons and, and knowing that I have the space and that the space is being held for me to do that. I always feel welcome to do that and, and that's really wonderful.
1: Yeah. And so I think maybe I'll ask this next question to Firelight. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what, well, essentially like how did your understanding and expectations of what shadow work is change as a result of moving through year two? So, yeah, that's a good question.
2: Um, I mean, like, like you said earlier, Langston, um, the word shadow gets tossed around quite a bit and, uh, and so I think when I started the the shadow year there was a little bit of mystery around you know what what it, what the actual work would involve um and you know the the kind of cultural ethos that I I experience around shadow sometimes can tend a little bit toward romanticizing it um you know oh we have these kind of dark behaviors that we can surrender to and Um, and we can't be blamed when we're acting out of shadow because it's just this unconscious part of ourself. And, um, you know, and, and so, but I always, I also, on the, on the other hand, I was really aware of the negative impact on my life that a lot of these unconscious energies were having. Um, and so I think what really shifted when I, when I got into year two was realizing that it was actually possible to transform the shadow energies expressing in my life into an ally. I mean, that, that part was really something I hadn't really encountered in the, the larger cultural discussion around shadow.
1: Yeah. I think that's such an important point. I think so often um, it almost, it feels like a little bit of progress that like there is the acknowledgement that shadow exists in spiritual communities, and there's this, but then, yeah, like you said, that we leap straight to so often, just oh, that I'm just gonna dive into my darkness and just be free in it, and we can all be in our darkness together and splash around it, and it's gonna be beautiful. And so often, it's not beautiful. It's actually quite harmful to both the people expressing it and to other people that are in their wake. Um, and and so yeah, it gets used as excuse. We continue to keep our shadow locked in the shadow and only let it out briefly on like a chain to, to do something in a controlled environment that feels risky or subversive. And then we throw it back into the dungeon again so often. And so I think it is really unique in these teachings that we gain the skills to move into our own shadow, which is almost an impossible task. So we have certain tools to get around that impossible task. When we move into shadow, we bring our shadow parts out or multiple shadow parts to work with, and then we transform them into allies and begin to integrate them. And it's a completely different experience where we learn to become more accountable people that are more truly free rather than having just these spontaneous small expressions of freedom that then we lock away and go back to our normal everyday lives. You really allow the shadows themselves to transform our hearts so we can become people who can be good allies to them. And so I would love if you could share a little bit, Firelight, um, just Maybe one of your personal experiences, you mentioned that there are ways that these shadow patterns are really impacting your life negatively. And I would love to to hear a story or an example of of an energy that was really impacting you negatively and how it changed as a result of working this process with it.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, One of the things I worked a lot with in my shadow process this year has been around relationship with power. And, um, you know, I've always felt like a very capable person. You know, I can, um, when I'm feeling confident, when I'm feeling kind of full hearted, I can really, um, you know, people pay attention to to things I say, I can articulate myself clearly. And, um, and I think out of my shadow patterns in my life, I became really afraid to be in my power. Um, around in, in both interpersonal relationships with others, with my, uh, with my romantic relationships and in, in larger groups of people. And, um, you know, that, that didn't really serve me, um, because there was this part of myself wanting to step into leadership, wanting to help facilitate things. And, um, and I wasn't letting that express itself. um, and what what that translated to in my life was I would be really attracted to people who who were doing that, who were allowing themselves that freedom. And, you know, while, I, while it was nice being around people like that, both in friendships and romantic relationships, ultimately it, it was kind of the wrong motivation because really what that attraction was based on me not allowing those own gifts I have to express, um, and, and trying to find them elsewhere. Uh, so, so healing that and allowing myself to release that fear has really transformed how intimate I can be with people in my life, I would say.
1: Thank you. And so Dre, I would also love if you could share a little bit about some of your expectations you had about shadow work coming in is based on sort of pop culture understandings of what that is. And then maybe an example as well of a, of a transformation you experienced, um, of the shadow energy.
0: Certainly. So for me, you know, I had heard people talk about, uh, shadow and shadow work in different, in different circles, in different contexts for a number of years. And it, it just never rang true for me. It, it never landed well for me. Um, and I think in hindsight now, part of that feeling and, and why I never explored shadow work because of it just not sitting right is because it always stopped short. You know, like I think you described it beautifully. It's like taking these, these dark pieces, you know, these shadow pieces out on a chain and, and you can in and take them out almost like a pet to excuse things or to, to try and feel free for a time, but then you just shove it right back in again. And so for me, it always stopped short of the actual healing. And, you know, acceptance and awareness is the first part of healing, but then transformation and integration is where we need to end up. And so none of the shadow processes that I saw anyone talking about actually ever got to that transformation and integration part of it. Um, And so coming into year two, I really didn't know what to expect at all. Um, I knew to expect with Christina and with the cycle teachings, that we were going to be in for a ride and that um, that what we were going to do was going to be the the whole deal. And beyond that, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I'll tell you the biggest surprise for me in this whole process um, was to see, to learn And to see for the first time clearly how my shadow patterns were coming out in my life and through my behavior. And to understand that some of these patterns I could see weren't quite right. You know, that I could see that they weren't serving me well in my life. But some of the patterns uh, really had me fooled you know, some of the patterns I saw as strengths in my life. And so this process really opened my eyes to, you know, we talk about being seduced by our shadows. It really opened my eyes to how certain shadow aspects for me came out in my life in ways that I thought were good, in ways that I thought were helping me. And that unconsciously were probably in some ways trying to help me or trying to protect me, but that were not serving me at all. And so, to see through the processes that we do, through dance and embodiment and, and all of this work, what that energy could truly look like. Um, to see what to see what my life could really look like if we were. Uh, in a relationship of being allies, you know with between me and and this energy in a healthy form, that was eye opening. that was That was really a big deal for me this last
1: year. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, I think it's so fascinating and so hard to understand intellectually until you've actually experienced it, how our minds cannot see our shadow. We can maybe sometimes see their wake. We can notice that we constantly feel like we're following our heart and we end up winding up more and more off our center as we do, and those are often big indicators of shadow. Um, But to understand, really understand with our whole hearts the actual patterns is almost impossible for our minds to do until we actually engage a deep shadow process because our minds are the ones that put the shadow in that dungeon in the first place, you know, or put these parts of ourselves in the shadow in the first place. And so our minds can't be trusted to see these parts because they just want to keep like holding their hands over their ears and their eyes and saying, I don't see you. I don't see you. You don't exist. (laughs) And so they have a million ways, like you were saying, to seduce us into thinking either we don't need that part of us that's stuck in the shadow or it's fine for it to be stuck in the shadow. It needs to be stuck in the shadow um, for us to survive. And, I think one of the really beautiful parts of year two is the warriorship that arises in the sense of a warrior as someone who can transform their enemy into an ally through love, through being willing to transform themselves into a person who can be a true ally to that energy that seems like an enemy to them at first. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about year two is feeling what that's like. And then the ability that gives us to move out into the world and do that in our lives with other, with other people, with other experiences we're having, that that ability to to develop a certain integrity of heart that allows you to enter into discomfort in a way that allows you to grow and change, while also discerning when things do need to just you know transform through death and just be like cut out of your life or just no longer be done, but understanding when when is the time not to just you know blow up. Your life and start again but actually to sit with something until it transforms you and it no longer is an enemy so i think you described that really beautifully Direct. thank you
0: and and i think that the the way that you're speaking about this is exactly right and was a big lesson for me this last year is that the shadow was not the enemy i was the one who was behaving that way i was the one who had to transform into a true ally for this piece to be able to work in my life in a healthy way in in its true energy the way that it's meant to. So that that was eye-opening. And what you said too about learning how to work in discomfort. That's a very big part of what we do in year 2 and it's so important to you know we talk about becoming uncomfortable with Uh, becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, um, And I think that that is absolutely where we have to go. And it's so powerful to be able to do that. And to be able to do that with teachers who can guide us through that process and with a cohort of people and a community who can support us while we're in that place
2: yeah that's um- <clears throat> powerful uh for you to say that dre right. about the the becoming comfortable with uh, uncomfortable emotions um, I kind of realized i think this year how uncomfortable how unwilling I was to really feel um, feel what I was feeling to let myself open up to the full capacity of my emotional self um you know, because that had been really a scary place to go as a younger person, and um, yeah, and this year really helped me build the confidence that I could go there and be in that really difficult at times feeling, and then turn that into an experience that would help me um, help me grow and learn and have more compassion.
0: Absolutely absolutely i think that there's so much in our lives that encourages us to run from discomfort i think that that we're taught to to seek the comfortable experiences at all costs and it doesn't serve us you know ultimately it doesn't and there's so much good to be had from just taking that one little step into into a place that's going kind to of shake us up a little bit and and l- allow things to flow to the surface that we need to deal with if we're really going to heal and, and become
1: spiritual and emotional adults. Yeah, I really appreciate that point because I think in our culture right now, we're so geared towards creating a sort of little self-selected bubble for ourselves and the way that Facebook functions or all social media functions, you know, sort of gearing things towards what you're going to like the most um, and marketing towards you and the way that our music systems work of like giving us the songs that are most like the songs we already like and we just get more and more insular and less and less um, open to surprise and I think even in spiritual communities I heard a spiritual teacher talking recently about the how the idea of resonance can actually be a troublesome thing that that if you're always just looking for what resonates with you, and if you don't resonate with something, you're turning away from it, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. And that's what you're talking about, in a sense, this, this ability to notice something that isn't resonating, that actually feels kind of uncomfortable or strange or, or you don't even believe, and, and allowing it to transform you um, because you know that it's presenting itself to you for, to, to for a reason, that you're seeing it pop up in a number of different places in your life in some way. And so Absolutely. I would love, yeah. either of you. I guess, Dre, maybe to talk a little bit about just what your actual experience at the retreat was like, like, how do we do this? We're talking a lot about that. We need to do this and we need to do that. But how do we actually bypass this trap of the mind that doesn't want us to get into the shadow? And what does that feel like? What was that experience like?
0: So for me, this has been one of the most (laughs) mind-blowing, to be punny, um, experiences of this last year, really. Um, And it is the work of using the wisdom of the body to carry us through um, the transformation. And it has been through the work of dance and embodiment, which we do so intensely at the retreats and, and that we continue um, in our own time between the retreats to, it's hard to describe really, you know, I'm, I'm a person who's very heady, who's, who's, you know, I have to work not to be up in my head and I, I'll be really honest. I was not sure that this dancing business was going to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's my skeptical nature again. I'm like, really, we're going we're gonna to dance this and I'm going to get information from this? And the answer is yes. The answer is, I mean, shouting from the mountaintop, the answer is yes. Um, it is hard to describe, but the, the information that comes up through movement and motion and the somatic self-sense is incredibly powerful. There is is nothing else like it. And there is no other way. I'm convinced now, having gone through this here, there is no other way to do this work because your mind cannot do it by itself. And one thing that I love about the teachings and about how they are presented is that we're not taught to discard the mind. The mind has a purpose and it has a function and a place it's necessary, but we are taught how to use our analytical skills at the right time and in the right way and how to use our somatic wisdom and our felt sense at the right time and in the right way and bringing these two things together then allows for a transformative process that cannot happen any other way and it, it really it just still I think about it and it is stunning and fantastic
1: thank you and I'd, I'd love to hear if you have anything to share firelight about your experience um, and maybe sharing about a different process than, than the dance
2: yeah I guess I can talk about um, I mean I, I totally agree with what dre's saying about the dance it's been a really powerful tool and one that i was originally very resistant to using um and i think the other thing that's been really powerful for me is building a relationship with the crazy logic teacher uh who 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 gives us year two the shadow year which is um crazy woman which is one face of this destroyer goddess archetype and um i i think you know, talking about pulling ourselves out of comfort or at least exposing ourselves to situations that are uncomfortable and challenging and push us to deeper places. Um, Having a a daily or a weekly relationship with a destroyer goddess can oftentimes be very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and and I think the, the practice, I mean, the thing that I really grabbed onto Uh, about what Christina said in how to live between the retreats is just ask for the next step, the next step, or the next two steps. And don't worry about knowing how your entire process is going to unfold, which is actually impossible. And that process of going to crazy woman and asking about the next steps And doing them, whether or not I fully believed or understood how they would work, now has resulted in an entire year of taking those steps. And looking back, they absolutely have been these incredible teachings at moments when I really needed them in my life. So, you know, building that trust, I would say, with, um, you know, a non- non-human teacher has been a really important uh, aspect of this year for me.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing about that. I think that was definitely extremely impactful for me. Um, And and what a beautiful thing to receive from a year in a teaching is an intimate relationship with an extremely ancient destroyer goddess who loves you enough to kill you, who loves you enough to... To help you to let die what needs to die to free up your whole soul and your authenticity and bring that out into embodiment in your life in a way that allows you to remember the richness and the joy and the ecstasies of life along with the, the agonies. But, but opening back up to that capacity to actually engage in the fullness of life. I think there's few better helping spirits than, than this destroyer goddess for that. And she does it in such a fun way. She brings so much humor. Like we're, t- like we're talking about this work and it probably sounds pretty serious and uncomfortable and hard, but there's so <laughs> much laughter and silliness that the kind of play that arises out of deep intimacy and deep heart-bearing soul work that allows for the freedom of your humor and creativity and sexuality to come through. And I think, you know, there's, there's ritual processes that we can't, share on the air with this destroyer goddess that allow us to bypass the mind and move deeply into our own shadow in a way that truly allows us to free up these energies, rescue them and put them in a sort of kind of spirit house that allows them to live no longer in the shadow and no longer in our own bodies so we can over time titrate the process of getting to know them and transform them into allies. I think for me that was really beautiful and impactful to feel too this way of working that allows us to fully feel the shadow and then um, let go what we're not ready to embody in our life with integrity yet while still maintaining in relationship, not just throwing it back in the dungeon. And I, I just, there's no other process that I've experienced and I've experienced a few other different ways of working with shadow that have the level of depth and integrity that, that this way of working does. I just feel so held in the process and i would love if um either dre or Farla, whichever you want to share could share like one of your specific shadow transformations if you feel comfortable doing that like the like the name of the enemy and, and the ally that it transformed into
2: yeah i could i guess i could share um uh so i i had a shadow part that was Um, my, the monster, um, is the archetype of that shadow. I know, um, types we work with over the year. Uh, and the monster for me was a lot about, um, my sexuality and how, as a young person, I had deemed this sexuality, uh, unsafe to express in, my family life and in the world, um, I was a sexual person at a, a fairly young age, and uh, there's a lot of blocks that I that I set up to protect myself from my sexual self, and and it um, it languished. So that mask for me was a lot about reclaiming my sexuality and releasing all of the shame that I was using to hide from it. Um, And, you know, I'll, I'll spare you the details, but through the course of the year, I was, I was asked to confront um, through my life, this, this kind of fear I held around that and, um, and engaging that fear Uh, from a place of love and uh, forgiveness and just allowing was really powerful. And the ally name that came out of the mask, which of course uh, in some way I was surprised by in some way I wasn't was uh, the one who sings and that ally self is all about this kind of this divine expression, this allowing, uh, bigger energies than myself to flow through me and giving, and giving voice to them.
1: Um, so that's, yeah, it's been, been a beautiful process. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love um, how your example illustrates um, how we just can't know. Like someone might have an inkling that, oh, I have some shadowy stuff around my sexuality, but who could have known that hidden in that stuff was your voice? And your ability to express and and sing. that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess I can also share one of my transformations a bunch of years back now, but it really stuck with me because I was at a point in my life where, um, as a you know queer black man, I had spent a lot of my life um, having crushes on people that had no desire for me. And then um, really struggling eventually to even have crushes or feel desire at all. It kind of just all went into the shadow and got put away because it had been so painful and hard um, just growing up in the community that I was growing up, um, being who I was and having the desires that I did. And so... This one of these shadows appeared to me as this sort of serpent woman who had this bleeding stomach, that was where and, and bleeding heart really actually bleed, not a bleeding stomach, bleeding heart that was where this wound was. So it's like she, her heart was gone and kind of rotting in a way. And eventually, I found out that she was in the mouth of another one of my shadow parts through this process. It's a little more complicated than the average shadow part process. But this other part was called the straw man. And he embodied a lot of the ways I used my spirituality um, to, and my creativity to actually create distance between me and other people and from me and myself, really. And so he had kind of swallowed this other shadow at the point that I felt my sexuality go completely down under and not even be expressed in my life really consciously anymore because he decided that even the shadow pattern version of my sexuality become harmful and unsafe. And so over time, working this process, um, I think one of the other unique parts of our process, we don't just work with one shadow part, we're working with four shadow parts at least through this process, and they all inform each other in different ways and really help each other to all come out through your work with them. And um, eventually that Strauman archetype became the architect who was this force that was able to create Containers in my life for the expression of my love and my gifts and my power, versus using that my love, my gifts, and power to separate myself from others. And then eventually, the serpent woman was trans- able to transform it into something I call the diva goddess, who is all about this these deep ways of honoring others' beauty and my own beauty. And after within two weeks, after the last fire ritual of that year, I was in the first real intimate um, long-term relationship I had ever had in my life because it's like my ability to love and both act on my desires with confidence had come back online. And it was just, I just, I don't know how I could have ever gotten there without this process. That, that was so necessary for it. was so complicated and <laughs> Byzantine, you know, how the, the structures I'd created within myself to protect myself from my own desire that I really needed a process that honored the crazy logic pathways of the shadow to allow me to bring those parts of myself online again and, and really be able to love again. And, um, yeah, I wonder if there's anything that that you would like to share, Dre, in your own experience of any of your transformations and how they changed your life a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, the the first thing I was thinking just from your story is – It's very interesting to see how these different uh, shadow cells can be intertwined, and and the way that they can, the the patterns that emerge from them are sometimes linked, and the way that through the transformative process we can learn more about um, connections. For example, how something that is a shadow of the heart for example, might affect um, aspects of our life that we wouldn't have connected it with uh, otherwise, but, but by seeing how the different pieces play together. For me, in, in my process, I have uh, two shadow pieces that really um, were also related to aspects of soul loss, and by re- having a retrieval and reintegrating Um, those aspects, that connection is what has allowed me then to go in for these two pieces and begin transforming into ally and begin the integration with them. Um, so that, that part, I think is just really interesting and the complexity of it, um, is, is very informative, I think. Um, so for me, uh, I had to feel into to which of these energies felt okay to be talked about. Um, of so I had a shadow piece that was called Frenzy. Um, and in its shadow aspect, really came out in behaviors that were very anxious, very frenetic, um, worried you know, it, it's, it was, it just an all over the place kind of energy. And it felt, those patterns felt so familiar to me. Like as, as soon as I recognized (laughs) the first dances, um, what, what this felt like, I said, Oh yeah, you know, I feel this in my life all the time and it comes out in this way and in this way and in this way. Um, you know, and, 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 So, for example, one of the ways that it came out is just in relationships where you feel the need to hover or the the need to, like, um, to to worry and to always be, you know, trying to make everything okay. Um, And through the process of becoming an ally to this piece and being able to see this shadow self. Um, In its true nature, with its true energy, I learned that this was actually all about um, two aspects. The first being all about how I nourish myself and how I am able to replenish my own stores, if you will. And uh, to do that, so then I can move into the second part of of this pattern which is how I nurture others. And as you can imagine then, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, I'm a wife. Um, you know, this is a pattern that plays out in all of my relationships. And so the ally name for this piece was Embrace and was all about um, understanding that by taking care of myself, then I had every resource that I needed. I had all the love and all of the confidence and ability to nurture those that I love and to to nurture um, in a way that is is always full, you know that that is never depleted. And that for me, that was that was a shadow self that really, Um, made me have to look at what it means when something is in excess or in depletion, which is something that we talk about with our shadow energies uh, during year two. And it's really important, you know, to, to understand even with a healthy energy, if that energy is in excess or in depletion, how those patterns can show up in our lives and how they can feel. And that was a really big lesson
1: Thank you, Dre. Um, another question that's coming to mind now, as you're both talking, is I would love to hear a bit more about how community factored into your process of year two. And um, yeah, maybe you can share first, Firelight. Yeah, um, how community factored in my process? It may be like a little bit about just sort of. You could talk about year one too, as well, but just what your. Feelings or expectations about community and what community is and how, what role community has in your life were coming in, and then how those have changed and how being held in community has changed your process moving to the teachings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's been, it's been an interesting two years in that regard because I think I came into the cycle not really understanding what community meant at all. Um, it's another one of those words that gets thrown around and, um, you know, we, we would, we would go to the retreats and I met all these great people and it was this intense experience. And then, um, and then you'd go home and, and things were, you know, you're all by yourself in your room and, uh, and to keep, to keep the intimacy going, especially with a non-local community has been, I think an act an act of um, letting myself be willing to be vulnerable, even though I'm not sure how people will respond. You know, which sounds like something we're all told we need to do, and um, is an interesting process when all of this really personal, uh, all of these feelings and all this really personal stuff comes up about our life and our processes to share that with each other. And trust that we're building a container that can hold that kind of intimacy um, has, been a, has, been, has been harder than I thought it would be. But I do feel now um, such a companionship from all of the other folks in my cohort who have who have gone through this process with me, and I think one of the best gifts is being able to see all of their processes, which reflects back to me. You know, some things I work with. So it really is. You know, we learn more together. And Dre, did you have anything you'd like to share about community?
0: I I agree with what Firelight has said. It it has been an interesting part of this process. I did. Not join the cycle of transformation, um, knowing the community aspect and the community piece that was present. Um, you know, I went into it saying, "Okay, I'm I'm going to learn some teachings and do my stuff, and this will be great." And then I I learned afterwards that that there is a community and that community is a big part of. Um, of working within the cycle of transformation for a lot of reasons. You know, um, the community gives support to the students who are in the cycle, but it also provides um, a a safe container for us as we are working through this process and through our transformations really of, of people who understand what's going on, who understand the difficulties and the joys and the language. And um, and then most exciting to me now that that I've really... I had to make the decision to fully participate within community. And I think like Firelight was saying... I don't think many of us have a very good understanding of, of what that means or or what it's supposed to look like or anything, and so I I had to make the decision to to participate to step in and say I'm you know I'm going to do this again I'm I'll be all in, and um, now coming through year two and working more more closely with the community. I'm getting really excited about um, seeing the potential for what the community can do and bring to the world. And and that's been really nice.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Dre, because I think it's important to remember that we're not just doing this shadow process for our own personal transformation. That's a huge part of it, and as you've heard from all of us, it creates these dramatic, pretty radical changes in our lives that have, for most of us, drastically improved our lives um, and our relationship with ourselves. But I think for those of us who are looking at the world, after we've done a shadow process, we begin to see how much of the dysfunction in our culture and around the world is informed by a lack of people having tools to do this type of work that so much of violence arises from the denial of the self and one of the most extreme ways we can deny ourselves aside from you know soul loss is by putting parts of ourselves that we need to embody our authenticity and our purpose in our unconscious in the shadow and we depending on other people to reflect them back to us mostly through our own projections that we make onto them or through our desires towards them and ways we want to manipulate or use or or take from them what we what we have put away in ourselves. And so I think this year, year two, is one of the biggest changes in my own ability to just show up in the world as a more reliable and accountable person. And yeah. I would love if, if there's anything else you would like to share about that firelight, just how this year impacted your ability to show up in the world.
2: Yeah. Well, it certainly has. <laughs> um, I, I, I've i been chuckling recently because um, the result of for the first year for me was kind of throwing my entire life in the garbage to some degree and, um, I I was in a job that was uh, that I was experiencing as very uh, as toxically um, toxic levels of responsibility and anxiety and um, and it was not a great situation and so I uh, and so I left for three months and reset everything and I and now I find myself in a similar job doing similar work living in a similar neighborhood but it's completely different because I'm showing up as my full self or a fuller version of myself and I'm able to approach responsibility with a lot more compassion and um and I I feel like I'm not reacting as much and uh It feels really, it feels right, whereas before it really didn't.
1: Thank you. And is there anything else you'd like to share about that, Dre?
0: I would say that for me coming through this year, I think for the first time, you know, we all have, for our our whole lives, we we all have this, the feeling of who our true self is. Inside, you know, we see glimmers of it, and and there are times when when there's not so much static, when when we can really feel that aspect of our authentic self and our our true self coming out. Um, but it's really been coming through this year that I feel that I've been able to see for the first time the very real possibility of what my life can look like and be living that and actualizing that in the world. And it's something that I, I deeply appreciate that Christina always says, you know, that, that's, that all of this transformation is great. What are you going to do with it? You know, that, that these skills that we learn and these processes that we go through are wonderful. And now it's, we put it into action and I am seeing for the first time now, I think coming out of this year and especially working with these by transforming these shadow cells and really having so much deeper insight into what some of my patterns were and what they were meant to be. um, That, that it is a tremendous sense of possibility and not only of possibility, but, but of that possibility being real close for the first time of being authentically in the world. And it's very exciting.
1: Thank you. And I wonder if either of you have um, a last message. We can start with you, Firelight, just that you would give to people that are thinking about coming to, to enter into the teachings and try mask of illusion, the authentic self this year, perhaps? Yeah.
2: I would say, um, it is, it is there. I have found no more effective tool to move myself towards the person that I know I can become. And I'm saying a lot because I've tried a lot of different modalities, um, but I have really found the teachings to be original and spirit-led, and robust. And you know, Christina's um, double Capricorn certainly helps <laughs> put bring them down into something that is really practicable in your everyday life. And, um, and it's, it's a big commitment and it's very challenging. And I would say it has been completely worth it for me.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. It, it is a big commitment and it is very challenging. And I will admit to bumping into a lot of fear over the last two years, Regarding whether or not I could actually do it, um, you know, like like with the shadow self, I I didn't know really anything going into it, and I would ask, oh "Gosh, can I can I actually do this?" You know, I don't know what I'm doing, and the the thing that I realize over and over as I as I go through each step of these teachings is that if you do the work and if you um yeah if if you show up and you do the work you can do it 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 is it is possible and it, you don't have to see what's coming around every bend and believe me you won't <laughs> but you do it one step at a time and and it works and that has been For me, the most remarkable part of this is that every step of this actually works. And when you go through that step, you're not the same person that you were the step before. And so it's not, you know, Christina talks about the difference between a change, which is something you can change back, versus transformation, which means you are truly different. And this is the cycle of transformation, and it's a really, it's really important to understand that it is doable, and it works, and I love it.
1: I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you, Dre, and thank you, Firelight. It was so wonderful to have you both. Um, I would like to let everyone listening know that if you're interested in shadow work and want more information, there's a lot of shows on shadow in the archives. You can just go to Yshamanismnow.com and type in shadow in the search bar and a bunch of shows that you can check out will come up that are really wonderful. Um, And if you're interested in coming to Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self, um, it will be June 2nd to 7th this year at Orento Robles in Oracle, Arizona, and we would love to have you. So thank you everyone. And next week we'll be talking about year three sacred self, which is all about dissolving those stories about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and how we're allowed or not allowed to use our power based on our gender identity. And These false cultural stories around gender that get in the way of our experience of our innate divinity and how we can work with those in a good way. And so we'll be talking with some students who have gone through that year recently about their process.
0: Thank you, Langston. Thank you, Firelight.
1: Thank you both. Yeah, thank you.